0: All migrant stories have a piece of heart, a little piece of soul, and a lot of skin, blood, sweat, and tears. But there are some stories that are special. There are stories that deserve to be told in books or podcasts or videos, and this is one of them. This is one of those stories that we want to transmit to you on a very special day. It is the story of Dr. Pablo Romero Beltran, who is an immigrant who became a soldier and then a medical doctor. Dr. Pablo Romero Beltran, it is a great honor to listen to you, greet you, and to know a little more about your story.
1: The pleasure is mine.
0: Dr. Pablo Romero, how old were you when you came to the United States? When did you arrive at California?
2: I
1: was 14 years old. It was in January of uh, 65. It turns out I finished my elementary school in Mexico when I was 11 years old. And uh, the following years, I spent uh, working in construction, and that because uh, it was impossible for me to go to high school. Then one day, my dad came to visit us and said, Do you want to go to California? And I thought it was a good idea, so we went to the embassy, they gave me my permit, and we came by second-class train from Querétaro to the California border. And we arrived there, we left our papers, they bought me a ticket on the uh, Greyhound in Calexico, and from there to Zalinas, California, with a stop in Los Angeles. We arrived at the center of California. Zalinas. And from there, my dad knew someone that uh, it was from here too. So he said we were going to look for work in the fields, uh, which uh, there are none anymore. And um, we went from here in uh, Zalinas to a camp nearby, uh, to a camp for adults, obviously. I was about 14 years old and uh, there were about uh, 40, 50 people. But I was the only boy, and I prepared myself. The next day, we went to the camp to work.
2: January of 65,
0: Querétaro, Calexico, Los Angeles, Salinas. Who did you arrive with, doctor? Because you talked about your dad, but did you come with someone else? Another family member, a neighbor?
1: Well, we were eight boys, brothers, but no, it was just me and my dad. He came so we could save some money and then return for the rest of the family. Uh, But it was just me and my dad and, uh, and then many adults at the
2: field.
0: And were you the oldest of the eight little siblings?
2: Mi me
1: ganó. Second, the oldest boy. Uh, my sister was older by a year and a half, but she was a woman, so she stayed there a, a little bit longer.
0: Of course, to help your mom and the younger siblings.
1: Exacto. Exactly.
0: Were you able to go to school? Because you talk a lot about work and being the only teenager in that field. Were you able to go to school?
2: No. No.
1: No school. The only school was to learn what I had to do, how to do my work better, how to try to make progress. I came here and my first work was harvesting broccoli, which I didn't even know. At that time, I had no idea what broccoli was. So no, it was just a matter of making sure there were no problems and working hard and learning to work, right? But no school,
2: zero.
0: And tell me a little more about your life, doctor. Did you speak English when you got to the field and had to work surrounded by adults? And were you the only minor? Did you speak the language?
2: cero de inglés, puro, puro.
1: Zero, zero English. It was just Spanish.
0: Nothing? No course like English
1: without barriers? Nothing? No, no, no,
2: no, no, no.
1: There was nothing, not even, well, we will get to that subject later, but no, no, no. We were here, and with time, we learned a word or two. Uh, but in this part of the world, people only speak Spanish. They never learn the language and stay on this place all their life. Many of us had to learn to get out of there, but uh, there was no way, really. With that time, they started having classes. Luckily, one day, I was in Arizona. I went to work by myself at Arizona uh, with the lettuce. And Migration find me there at midnight, and they said, Hey, you are 16 years old, and you are here with uh, the adults. Why you are not at school? I don't know. I said, and he said in Spanish, "Think about school someday." And you don't think about school, but if you must work to support eight, seven brothers, well, you can't do
2: it.
0: So you started working at the fields when you were 14, started with broccoli that you didn't even know how it looked, and then you worked with lettuce in Arizona, like you just said. What other crops did you have to do, or where did you have to work, and how are you
1: doing during that time? Yes, after broccoli came uh, the strawberries, and the strawberries, but also to be harvested, right? Um, they are harvested in baskets and whatever. I also learned how to harvest lettuce. Uh, here in Salinas, California, we uh, follow the uh, growing seasons. Uh, what is understood here is that the growing seasons go from here to the south. In the winter here, it is not very cold and lettuce uh, doesn't grow. So if you want to specialize in lettuce, you have to follow it from here to the Central Valley, and then to the valley in the west, and then to Arizona. It was lettuce, and there was uh, the asparagus uh, in the middle. There was also the uh, short hoe, the famous short hose, that was eventually removed from the history of California when Brown and Cesar Chavez met to establish the right uh, that this hoe was causing the old person to walk with a bent back. It hurt the spine a lot. So eventually, this was removed. So there was a lettuce. Um, everybody believed on lettuce. The hoe, the celery, too. There was a season in which they filled the wooden boxes with a celery, and you had to close them with nails and hammer. And that was my job. Uh, And you learn to be almost a carpenter. Yes, with a hammer and
2: nails.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And do you still like broccoli and strawberries, lettuce, asparagus, celery, and the hoe? Or do you no longer want to see them?
1: (laughs) The only thing I hated was the uh, strawberries, huh? Uh, those ones, uh, those ones you ate. Uh, the strain of strawberries has changed. Uh, nowadays, uh, they are a little different, sweeter. Uh, last weekend, we were in Los Angeles with my granddaughters, and uh, we went to the farmer's market to buy fruit. And these strawberries are also very good there. Blackberries, uh, you can find everything. California has everything.
2: huh?
0: And talking about a little bit of everything, your life had many flavors, textures, colors, and dimensions, doctor, because after all these harvests, you joined the army. Why?
1: Yes, why? Because there was this thing called mandatory military service. This was in the 70s. And it turns out that the Vietnam War was at its peak. Uh, You had to join. And it turns out uh, they sent you to take the exam and, well, you had to show up. And when uh, they called me, I went, I made an arrangement. I had to go to the Greenhouse again from Zalinas to Oakland. Uh, They took you. Um, You did some things and you came back. And it turns out that there was a lottery in which they gave me a certain number, right? Well, they gave me a low number, and I didn't know what it was. I went, and I didn't know what I had to do. So I left my car at Greyhound again. I arrived and uh, went to Oakland. And this time, the appointment was very long. There were a lot of questions, uh, but we had help from the translators. And then uh, there was uh, this event with 50, 60 people all crammed into one room. And um, suddenly someone says, you have to take an oath. And those in front of him with their arms on their chest. Those in the middle were sitting as if they were Indians with uh, their arms crossed. The hippies as if they were the peace sign. Others uh, had their middle finger raised, and I was in the back, and I didn't even notice it. I said, what happened? And when the event was finally over, I went outside and found a military guy with a badge called Puños or something like that. Uh, And I said to him, hey, what happened? What do you mean, what happened? Don't you know any English? And I said, well, no. Oh, you are going to have to learn, So You are not going to do well. You have to learn. After everything was over, we went back like uh, two in the morning. And we stopped to take some coffee and and the bus too. We were coming here near uh, Salinas uh, to a place called Fort Ord. And I called my dad and and said, hey, I left my car in front of a greyhound. Can you pick it up? And he said, why? Because I'm going to the army now. And why are you going to be there? (laughs) And uh, I'm going to the army. And and he said, is this a joke? No, it is not a joke. And he finally went and picked up the car. And I stayed two months in Fort Ord. And I was very lucky in Fort Ord. I was with a group of guys uh, that were from Chicago, from the National Guard. They were all college students or whatever, and they made it their purpose to help me learn English. So we had our military class and then my English lessons, and I helped them with the the physical stuff because they were a little fat and uh, it worked out well. I helped them with uh, some things and they with, uh, well, yeah. So when I was finishing my eight weeks at Fort Ord, I learned a lot. From Fort Ord, I went to Oklahoma, and I stayed there. Uh, the army decided that I had to learn the language, and I saw all the movies they were in there. And with the help of uh, people in the library, asking, asking, and asking. That's how I learned, and I learned there... It was a different world than lettuce or broccoli.
0: Quite different, no? And what decision did you take after leaving the military service? What did this make you think, react, or realize? These new friendships, so many movies in English? This world beyond lettuce and broccoli,
1: why did you do what you did next? A couple of things happened when I was in Germany. When I finished in Oklahoma, I went to Germany to drive trucks and such. By then, I had a license and I learned enough German to pass the test. And uh, once in a while, uh, I talked to some of the officers and they took certain intelligence tests. And realized that uh, although I was limited in the language, I had some intelligence. So then one of the officers told me, when this ends, it is only two years. When this ends, you have to study. You have many possibilities. If you don't do it, it is nonsense. I will look for you and I will give you a good one. Obviously, it was a joke. Uh, when I got here in January at uh, Zalinas and I entered my service, it seemed the growing season was in Arizona. I was a little tired. I didn't want to go to Arizona, so I thought I better stay here. And someone said, why you don't go to a community college here in Hornell? And ask him uh, what they have. And they did have a special program for people who didn't have a high school diploma. If you had the GED, you could apply. They examined you and put you in the appropriate place. And they did examine me, and I ended up at the lowest level of arithmetic. But they gave me the opportunity to hurry up and catch up on arithmetic to quickly get to algebra, quickly get to three-conometry. And yes, I started with uh, arithmetic and ended up with calculus in second year. I started with introduction to science and with uh, advanced physics and also chemistry and all that. So what I did was to take many units, work a lot. And of course, uh, someone told me that the key to get ahead was uh, that I had to have high GPA so I was uh, always looking for that I didn't want just an an A in class I wanted the highest grade in the class and sometimes I I could do it and sometimes I couldn't and that caused me to leave I did work a couple of uh, seasons in the summer at the lettuce working a middle shift with my dad He worked in the afternoons, and I worked in the morning, and the rest of the time I was at school. So I was getting back more from school than when you are just fooling around with nothing to do.
0: That is an interesting and fascinating story, Doctor. You tell us basically that in eight weeks, you learned English based on what your friends told you about the movies you watched. You were self-taught literally, and then you learned German. All right, look at all those languages you spoke.
2: And it
1: turns out that German was a tragedy because when I left Germany, It kind of worked, and then I got in. I was very hooked at school and then at medicine. Medicine is a completely different school. And when I got back to Germany, I couldn't speak German anymore. I remember very little of it. Part of it, it is practicing, right? So I look up a couple of things, and you ask here and there... Uh, once we were a little lost in Czechoslovakia, and uh, we look up the words in German, because uh, there was a car there, and we asked him about the war, and uh, I don't know, you know what else. And it turns out that uh, these Czechoslovakians knew Spanish. And, well, with the Spanish, we managed then.
0: That was incredibly lucky. Very lucky.
1: Yes. Life is interesting. huh? And how then did
0: you decide to go to college? And why did you decide to go to college? To go to a university? To do medicine? The medicine career?
1: Well, it turns out that when I went there to start at Harnett College, that is a two-year college, I went and I didn't have anything to decide. And I said, I'll look for one. I was looking to see what I could find here and there. And I thought very quickly, I like science. I'll stick to science. I'll do what I can with science. Someone told me in my second year that maybe uh, here is uh, the city of 150,000 inhabitants. There was a doctor or two who spoke Spanish. I know that my mother could never talk to uh, the doctor. She had to have a translator. So I, I said, maybe it is worth thinking about this, uh, but I wasn't sure. I fell in love with science. I said, well, I'm going to look for science and if medicine comes, then we will look for more. So from Harnell, I went to the University of California in Irvine. And I also follow the career on the side of science, a little more Spanish literature. And uh, on that third year, I was so uh, with uh, when my friends told me all that. Uh, you should look up into medicine. It is needed in your community. They offered me a spot. And then at the University of California at Irvine, I said, I'll look it up. Uh, maybe like a test. In, and if not, I, I can go back to science. Biochemistry was what interested me at the time. So I decided to give it a try. But since my parents were uh, still here in Zalinas, I thought maybe instead of going to Irvine or Los Angeles, I should go near San Francisco. It is... Uh, but 100 miles to san francisco and from here it, it is great because that university is one of the best in the world and most of them come from Harvard, and in there we were at the same level we were all the same there was no i have more i have less in there some of the guys went to the library and bought all the books they recommended for the course. And I barely bought the ones since they were expensive, right? They had everything, but at the time of the test, we were the same. And I was ahead of them. There are ways to answering these things. So I look at medicine seriously, and I thought this is worth uh, and i can go back to my community and practice something like this some this
2: field
0: And why did you want to specialize in family medicine? Because you told us that you saw the need in your community, people who did not have interpreters or translators, so that they could tell the patient what was happening with their diagnosis and treatment. But there was something else in your mind, in your heart, that made you embrace this branch of medicine.
1: Well, it turns out that when I applied for graduate school, the residence, I had enough possibilities, interest, and all of that. I thought about going to Hopkins and Harvard and whatever, Uh, but it was more because I was looking into surgery. I wanted to do surgery, Uh, but it turns out my parents were still here in Zalinas, California, and they wanted to return to Mexico. So I thought, why don't I try to residence... In family medicine here in Zalinas. And I I did. I did it as a test to see if I like it. And I found out uh, what I was looking for was here. And I finished the residency, and when I finished it, I thought, well, what am I gonna do now? There wasn't any private practice. Everybody worked for the county. And I said, well, In order to have control over this maybe we have to establish a new medical group and that's what i did so i finished my residency and we looked for a way to build a practice all of a sudden it became a big group and that it is and there hasn't been so really it was a series of small changes accidents or whatever but it was the best thing i could have done in life
2: Doctor,
0: when we listen to you, I hear you and I am amazed. I'm excited and touched with your story and moved by your humbleness. You could, quote, put cream in your tacos, like my friends in Mexico say. You could be snooty and brag about your achievements, but since your humble origins from that January of 65, from Querétaro, to Salinas, and then to Germany and San Francisco, you are living the American dream. I imagine that you must have been the first of your siblings or of your family with a university education, with your own medical practice. But for you, the sense of community is important. And I would like to ask you right now about that part of your personality. Why is it so important for you to stay involved with your community?
2: Well, it's true that one agradecer lo bien que le things las cosas.
1: Well, it is true that you have to be thankful of how well things went. Of course, with the medical group I had and with the new one that I am now, we provide a lot of local service but we also provide a scholarship in the University of California in San Francisco for people who work in the fields. So they have a chance to get help with their expenses. So we have that scholarship, and also in Hornet College, we have another one, too, for the same thing. The thing is that I could easily go to the store and buy five Teslas. And then what am I going to do with all of them? They will be all dirty, and I'll have to watch them. (laughs) And for what? So I don't have a Tesla, not even one. I could have three homes, and then what? If you don't visit a house, it'll break down, and you have to... What do you get at the end? At the end of the day, when you leave this planet, what are you going to be taking with you? As far as I know, you don't take anything with you. So it is better to live, health for someone, help a person in need. I get a lot of patients that ask me, what are you going to do to me? Do I need to put my things in order? And that's okay, right? Uh, there are many cases of diseases, accidents, there are very high cholesterol levels that people, you know, suffer in the living cripple. There is some control high blood pressure that leaves them unable to walk. So why not be able to do something to be able to say, hey, good thing, I helped that person who was in trouble, and hopefully God will continue to help him. Like I mentioned, you know, at the end, you do not take anything with you, right? And it is true that you can. Um, I stayed. I could have easily stayed home all day and put cream on my tacos, but then what? You run out of tacos, and what do you say? It it is nice that I ate that cream taco, uh, but it's nicer to help someone move on, achieve something, that they move forward, come back as a language teacher, join the army, learn to fly drones, and... It is good if they um, came back to Zalinas because there is drones in there too to check the agriculture. And it is something I learned uh, at the Air Force or the Army. So it is a good idea to pass on, to reproduce, so people can enjoy those achievements.
2: those achievements.
0: Doctor, have you or your wife met a student who has been the recipient of one of those donations that you and your organization make? Have you met a young person with whom you felt identified? Someone who has had a story similar to yours in terms of the efforts and sacrifices he or she had to make to get where he or she is today?
1: Yes. Turns out San Francisco is at the north of California. When they think about agriculture, they think that it's going to be that Zalinas is like the San Joaquin Valley and it is not true. It is very different. At the Zalinas Valley we have certain things, grapes, lettuce, asparagus, and all that. And uh, the earth is very nice at the San Joaquin Valley. There are fruits, trees, and that's it. So the universe here has a little bit more emphasis in helping them. Sometimes they have introduced us to boys, a boy who receives a scholarship. We have a scholarship that is given only for the interest earnings, so I will stay uh, there for life. It is not a scholarship that you can just say, you're going to receive $100,000 and that's it. No, it is a smaller scholarship, but it helps them a lot for expenses and all that. But it will be there for life. It can never disappear. So we have already met a couple of people, and we are very happy in that
2: sense.
0: That's nice, that's nice. And to wrap it up, Doctor, because I don't want to steal more of your precious time and everything that you do to serve your patients, your neighbors, your community, your country, what would be your advice to the young people listening? For those who are immigrants like you, or for those who are immigrants and young and have enlisted in the troops of the U.S. Army?
1: We have to understand that everything Life is full of problems and solutions. And when you go to the army and they yell at you, they yell at you at the beginning. And the English I learned the first eight weeks was only bad words. So in English, there are more than bad words. You can see movies, read the rest. Same here. When you go to the army and they tell you are not good at that, Well, then you're not, but you might be good for something else. I have acquaintances who have been at the front, soldiers, officers, and whatever. You see that they have the mind and have the desire for school in the army. And all of a sudden, after 10 years as sergeants, uh, they come as second lieutenants, and then the first lieutenants, and then captains. Well, that's good. Sometimes here, I see patients who come here with their uniform and they are lieutenant colonels and they have uh, their little boy and we help them. And from here, they go maybe to Colorado, they go to D.C. or whatever. But the idea is that they have a lot of help for the person who wants it. And the one who doesn't want it, well, the army is like that when we were young when we were in the military service people only went two years and that was it but we learned there are many ways to get ahead on in life the gis build helps it helps for the payments and all that and it's good to join and be in there for two or three years Learn how to drive the drones or the logistics instead of sending bombs to Afghanistan. Learn how to send UPS packages to Los Angeles. What's the difference? Well, the difference is that you know how to manage things and you can get ahead and, and the job to work at UPS or FedEx or whatever is going to be a lot better paying than stuffing boxes. So people must learn that there are many drones out there. They must learn to appreciate them and get ahead.
2: <inaudible>
0: What would be your final advice or words of encouragement for the war veterans that are listening, and maybe come discouraged, out of breath, or they come a little bit hopeless? What would you say to them, doctor?
1: I would say never lose your faith. Sometimes things don't come out like you want it. And it is true that there are things that are very sad. They're having accidents, people that are victims of war, people that lose one leg, that are traumatized. Trauma, in general, has his time. Don't lose your faith. Give it your all. Learn a different career and learn to maintain the pride of being human beings. And move forward with everything you have in front of you. Your friends, your neighbors, your relatives lend them a hand and move forward, and don't lose faith, not at all.
2: Dr.
0: Pablo Romero Beltrán, it has been a pride and an honor and a privilege to interview you on this day. Thank you, doctor, for your service, your words, your advice, your wisdom, and your good heart. And I wanted to wish you a happy Veterans Day to you too.